the God of affirmation. I'm going to affirm whatever it is you want. He's the God of transformation where he takes what we want and he meets us right there and he loves us too much to leave us that way. So he begins to transform the things that we want. And ultimately what you find, if you do follow Jesus, your life is perfect in that what God wants actually comes to pass, but almost none of it is what you would have chosen. Do you want a perfect life? I sure do, but it feels like an impossible dream, doesn't it? In today's message, Pastor Daniel is going to show you that in Christ, you can have the perfect life. The only thing is, it's not what you think. The perfect life is one in which what God wants is what happens. God steps into our selfish desires and changes them to line up with his own. His mighty work of transformation touches every part of you. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in Matthew chapter 5 as he begins his message, The Beauty of Self-Control. You know, everything in life involves risk. There's no such thing as a decision that any of us can make that doesn't have some element of risk to it. A lot of what each one of us do every single day, whether we realize it or not, is we make decisions kind of realizing that there's no such thing as a decision that doesn't have a potential consequence to it. And then we ultimately say, okay, well, given the fact that this is what I understand and these are the things that I want, we end up making decisions. And I think that's what makes life hard is that oftentimes when it relates to the potential risks of the decisions that we're making, we don't actually think it all the way through. We make decisions oftentimes emotionally, which is you know, unfortunately it happens a lot, or we make decisions just for the moment, not actually realizing that if I keep making this decision, it actually will land me in a place that I actually don't want to be, right? And so, you know, really it's about counting the cost, isn't it? That each one of us, you need to count the cost of if I make this decision, when this thing blossoms, it ends up in this spot. And I think that's a hard thing to do in life because there are a lot of variables. I I was thinking about this because I have a good friend of mine. Unfortunately, he went home to be with the Lord a long time ago. He, you know, had a series of lung ailments. Some of them, I mean, they started when he was a child, but then as he got older, he picked up smoking as something that he did regularly. And I remember he went to the doctor and as his lung ailments were getting more and more severe, the doctor said, look, you have to stop smoking or the smoking is going to kill you. You know, and I remember he stopped smoking for about five hours. Just five, you know, it's like in the face of this is what happens if you keep doing that. He quit smoking for five hours and unfortunately he ended up passing away. You know, and I remember when I found out that he was smoking again, I love him. So I got, I got on him. I'm like, you know, listen, you know, this is not, the doctor wasn't like playing. It's like, look, if you continue to do this, you land here and that's not a good thing. So you should stop. And, you know, and it was amazing because he said, he's like, well, I really don't know that I care that much. Now, that sounds crazy to a lot of us, except for many of us, we're making decisions that have huge consequences right now, and we're not really counting the cost of what it means. See, there's a risk to everything in life. 
And what we find is that there is a risk to following Jesus, and there is also a risk to not following Jesus. People would love it if you say, well, listen, if you follow Jesus, everything you ever wanted in life is going to happen. Like, it's like whatever your, like, top five things are, I want to retire when I'm 40. I want to be not just thin, but I want to be ripped or shredded or whatever the word that you like to use. I want to be able to go on, I want to live on vacation, right? You know, and there are people who, in the name of Jesus, teach that. They're like, if you follow Jesus, everything's going to be exactly the way you want it to be. Everything's going to be perfect. You're going to have everything that you ever wanted, right? And not only does that do damage to the name of Jesus because it's not what actually happens, but in a material culture like our culture, that obviously is popular. But then when you export that kind of teaching, that false teaching, and you export it into countries with severe poverty, you can imagine what goes on. Now, here's the thing. What's amazing about that kind of teaching is that that teaching is actually, some of it is right. If you follow Jesus, everything will be perfect. Perfectly the way God wants it to be. Not the way you want it to be. Right? It's like what God does is God does exactly what he wants to do in each one of our lives, but he changes what we want as we follow him. See, that's what I love so much about Jesus. See, Jesus isn't the God of affirmation. I'm going to affirm whatever it is you want. He's the God of transformation, where he takes what we want, and he meets us right there, and he loves us too much to leave us that way, so he begins to transform the things that we want. And ultimately, what you find, if you do follow Jesus, your life is perfect in that what God wants actually comes to pass, but almost none of it is what you would have chosen. And that's the offer that Jesus gives to each one of us. You know, it's not some pie in the sky dream that you're going to have whatever it is that you want. It's literally, if you follow Jesus, he promises to change you and conform you to who he is and then change the things that you want. So ultimately, you find that the things that you want are the things that he wants, and that when he gives them to you, you're like, wow, this is amazing. Now, today we bring to a close this series that we've been calling Beautiful. The idea of it is that there is a life that is well-pleasing to God, and we want to uncover what that life is. Now, all the way along, I've been making the case that this is not about us changing. This is about us becoming who we already are in Christ. That when you put your faith and trust in Jesus, as God has perfected you, as you've been robed in his righteousness, right? That's who you really are and who you used to be goes away. And so the beautiful life, a life that pleases God, is actually who we really are in Christ as opposed to who we pretend to be every day, the people that we were socialized to be or that we learned to be over time. So the beautiful life is already ours in Christ. And we have been learning that the qualities of the life that is well-pleasing to God is unique. And we've been seeing the Beatitudes as one example of this is a life that is beautiful and pleasing to God. And then we've been putting them with the fruit of the Spirit, which, you know, those nine characteristics of the Spirit from Galatians 5, and we've been lining them up, the first beatitude with the first characteristic, second beatitude with the second characteristic of the fruit of the Spirit. We've been lining them up, and it's been very unique to see what happens as we do that. Now, what's interesting as we look at the ninth beatitude, I think what's fascinating about it is the eighth beatitude lands on blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now, remember I told you there's a risk for everything? If you follow Jesus, and if you live a beautiful life, not everyone's going to love that about you. 
right? There's a risk to not following Jesus, but there is a risk to following Jesus. But it's one thing to talk about the idea of persecution in the abstract, right? Like a theoretical type of persecution. But what Jesus then does with the ninth beatitude is he takes the abstract, the potential of persecution, and then he moves it from the third person, blessed are those who are persecuted, to blessed are you when it happens to you. And that's one of the things that I love about Jesus is that Jesus doesn't want us just to have these ideas. He wants to drive it. He wants to put it at the doorstep of our lives so that we'll respond to it. And so much of your life is lived at the moments where you decide in the places that life happens for you, are you going to follow Jesus or are you not? Are you going to embrace what Jesus has for you, or are you going to try and maneuver and manipulate to get something else? It's where life happens. And Jesus does that. He says, it's not just about those out there who could be persecuted. It's like, but this is what happens if it happens to you. And so we're going to see that as we close today. So in order to get at this, open up your Bibles to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. I want you to open the Bible because I want you to see where we're getting this from. Now, it says this in verse 11 and 12. It says, blessed are you when they revile and persecute you, all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad for great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. And then we link it up to the ninth characteristic of the fruit of the Spirit, Galatians 5.23, that says the fruit of the Spirit is what? Self-control. Now, we've been memorizing this together, so I want all, this is a longer scripture, but we're all going to say it together, because I realize it's one thing for me to read it to you, it's another thing for you to read it with your eyes, but then you say it out loud, hopefully you write it down later, and we're memorizing this. So let's repeat this all together, go ahead. Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad for great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you and the fruit of the spirit is self-control. Now, You see what Jesus does. Everything is blessed are those people, third person. He says, but now blessed are you when they revile you, when they persecute you, when they say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad for great is your reward in heaven. I would like to say it this way, that you and I, we should be joyful when challenged. We should be joyful when we are challenged. Now, I use the word challenged here because this isn't just talking about persecution. Notice first, it's you're being reviled. You're being spoken ill of. You're all kinds of evil are being spoken against you and persecution is involved in that. So this is the idea of not only physical violence, but there's slander going on. There's all these things. And what he says is rejoice and be exceedingly glad for great is your reward in heaven. So what's amazing is, is that a beautiful life in the eyes of God is a life that does not respond to evil speaking with evil speaking. It's not a life that when you are reviled, you revile in return. Really, a life that's beautiful to God is that when you are spoken ill of or reviled, you are joyful. Now, 
Am I the only person who thinks that that's just kind of crazy sounding? I mean, it's one thing to be spoken ill of. It's another thing to rejoice in the midst of it. It's another thing. But that is what the beautiful life is really all about. See, first you have to notice that the reviling, the slandering, the persecution, it's false, right? So we always have to decide, is the challenge that I'm receiving, is it because of my failing or is it because I'm relentlessly following Jesus, all right? It's so easy to always say, well, it's really because I'm a Christian and that's why it happens. Though sometimes, as we said in previous messages, sometimes you get reviled or spoken ill of because you're a jerk, you know? And that's not Jesus's fault. That's your fault, right? Like we have to make sure that we're searching our own hearts and saying, who am I and what am I? And what am I doing to provoke this? But if we're following Jesus, you could be right in step with what Jesus is doing and people will slander you. People will speak ill of you. Because it's like, what goes on? It's like, in the end of the day, one of the risks of following Jesus is that you're following Jesus. And not everyone's going to like the way that you follow Jesus. And not everyone's going to understand what God is doing in your life or what God has called you to. And guess what? When has anybody ever understood all that God is doing in anyone's life? So we learn at real time where we live, not only just to endure that stuff, but to find joy in the midst of it. Now, why is joy important? Because we've said it before, that joy is the disposition of a heart that knows and trusts that God is good even when nobody else is. See, joy is not that everything works out the way you want it to. Joy is what happens when you know that your God is good, even when everyone else is evil. And you realize that he's got something that he's doing in you in the midst of this thing. See, friends and sisters, we live in a world where we get challenged for all sorts of things. But for some reason, in 21st century America, the people of God kind of slink away from people getting upset with them for their faith, but they don't get upset with them for anything else, right? It's like, so if somebody doesn't agree with your politics, you're going to go tooth and nail to make sure that they change their mind. But if someone doesn't agree with your faith in Jesus, you're like, oh, I probably shouldn't talk about Jesus anymore. And that, my friends, is the problem. Because Jesus said, oh, how happy, oh, how fortunate are you when they revile you, when they speak evil falsely of you for my name's sake, when they persecute you. Now, what's amazing is, listen to what James says it this way. So Jesus said it this way in the Sermon on the Mount. Now, James says it this way in James 1, verses 2 to 5. He says, my brethren, count it all joy. Notice the word joy there. When you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience, but let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. And if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. See, James says, listen, when you fall into trials, when reviling and slandering and all this stuff happens to you and you're persecuted, count it joy. Why? Knowing that the testing of your faith will produce patience in your life. Now, wasn't patience one of the fruit of the Spirit? Yes, it was. It was the fourth characteristic. And it says, and then let this patience 
have its perfect work in you that you may be, it says perfect here, that word perfect means fully mature. That you may be fully mature, and then it says, and complete, lacking nothing. And then James pivots just a little bit. He says, and if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. Now, I love this because he's saying, look, when your faith is tested, when you're persecuted or slandered, count it a joy. Why? Because that is going to produce patience in you. Now, you don't just stop at patience because you want patience to continue to the work that you might grow up, that you might become mature, that you might become complete, and that you might lack nothing. But if you do find that you're lacking something, like wisdom, you could say, Lord, I don't understand what's going on right now, and God will give that wisdom to you liberally and without reproach. See, what you begin to realize is that these struggles and challenges that happen to you, God leverages them. They're not just problems. They're purposeful in God's kingdom to grow you. So it doesn't mean that we like them, but we realize that God's got a plan. And I think that for many of us right now, the biggest struggle that we are having is that God is actually answering our prayers through the struggles that we're experiencing, but we don't realize that it's God's answer to prayer. See, really what we want is we want our spiritual growth to be like the way your apps download on your phone. Where it just downloads behind the scenes, and while you sleep, it just upgrades, and then you just get better. Right? I'm always about open up an app, it's all new, like, when did that happen? Well, I was sleeping. But the thing is, is you want your spiritual growth to be that way, but it doesn't work that way. Listen, when you put your faith and trust in Jesus, you have been perfected by the finished work of Jesus. The blood of Jesus cleanses a person from all unrighteousness. But the implementation of that in real time where you live happens in every single experience you're having. So how many times have you said, Lord, will you humble me? <laughs> you know not to, You better be ready if you pray that prayer, my friends. Say, Lord, humble me, and then something happens, and all your pride is going crazy. I can't believe that's happened. I can't believe they said that to me. It's like, well, Lord, if you pray, say, Lord, say, you pray for humility. Have at it. Whatever you do, don't pray for patience, my friends. <laughs> I don't understand why the Lord's taking so long. It's the worst. I mean, I've been waiting forever, but I pray for patience. Jesus' transformation in your life, that justification happens in a moment when you say yes. And the sanctification, you experiencing all that that means happens at every moment. Every up and down, every victory and defeat, everything that you wanted and didn't want. That's where it happens. And God loves you enough to say, I'm going to put things in your world that you are not going to prefer, but it will accomplish my purposes. You don't believe me? Listen, not only did Jesus say this, and James said what he said, but listen to what Peter says. First Peter chapter 4, verses 12 to 14. It says, beloved, I love this. Before it said, brethren, now it's beloved, you loved ones, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing happened to you. But rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory is revealed... You may also be glad with exceeding joy. For you are reproached for the name of Christ. Blessed are you. For the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. On their part he is blasphemed. But on your part he is glorified. See, Peter says, listen. 
Don't think it's strange when you're following Jesus and strange stuff goes on. What? But in that moment, realize that you're partaking in the very sufferings of the Savior who you follow. See, we love to talk about the cross, and we should, because the Apostle Paul said, God forbid that I should preach anything except Jesus Christ and him crucified. God forbid I boast in anything except the cross of Jesus Christ. But you realize Jesus at the cross sacrificed his life for us. He stood in our place as a substitute. But that also means that you and I follow a persecuted Messiah. We follow a man who on every single page of the Gospels was challenged and pushed against. People didn't receive him or believe in him. But for the joy that was set before him, he kept going. And when you and I are reviled and slandered and persecuted, we have to remember that we're partaking of Christ's sufferings. That if they did it to Jesus, then if they do it to me, what's the problem? Because I follow a persecuted Savior. You know, I love our founding pastor, Pastor Bill. I love this guy so much. And I remember in just the weeks leading up to the time when he allowed me to become the senior pastor here at Crossroads, he said, he's like, you know what's going to happen, Daniel? I'm like, what? He's like, people are going to say all sorts of stuff about you. And you're not going to say anything. And I'm like, really? And he's like, yeah. All sorts of things are going to be said about you. And he's like, and you know what you're going to do? I'm like, uh, no. And he's like, he's like, you're going to rejoice. And you're not going to say a word. Because that's what a spiritual leader does. And I'm like, now I get why you brought me here, bro. You know? <laughs> And he laughed, you know what I mean? Like, and you know Pastor Bill's laugh. It's, just the best, like, it's a whole soul laugh when he laughs. You know, his eyes get all bright. But what's amazing is, is that like, every time I hear something crazy about myself, which was literally like about 15 minutes ago, <laughs> literally, it's one thing to receive it, but it's another thing to rejoice in the midst of it. And that's what God wants to do. You see, our culture says if someone reviles you, you revile them back. If someone speaks ill of you falsely, you lie about them. And Jesus says, no, no, no. When that happens, you don't say anything and you just rejoice because they did it to me. They're going to do it to you. What's the problem? See, we begin to realize that when it happens to us, God's got a different plan. Notice he says, Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, verse 12, for great is your reward in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Listen, you and I have to remember, you're not the only one either. See, part of this, part of living a beautiful life is that you are stepping into the organic reality of the redeemed people of God, who there is a great cloud of witnesses who got persecuted before you had it. There's all sorts of people who suffered way worse than we suffer because of their testimony of Jesus. Jesus is real. God is the God of transformation. He takes what we want and meets us there. Then he transforms what we want. Pastor Daniel told us today that if you follow Christ, your life is perfect what God wants to come to pass. But it's rarely what you would have chosen. When we come to God, He begins to transform our desires to match His. When you come to Jesus, He promises to change and transform you and what you want. Hey everybody, Pastor Daniel here. I just want to say thank you for tuning in. 
I'm so stoked you're a listener of Jesus is Real Radio, and I know Jesus has amazing plans for you. I'd love to hear the story of how God's working in your life. Give us a call here at Jesus is Real Radio at 360-256-4655 or email me at real at danielfusco.com. We're so glad we can be a part of your life through the ministry of Jesus is Real Radio. Would you like to be a part of what we're doing? We would like to ask that you prayerfully consider becoming a financial partner of this program. Your contribution, no matter the size, will be used to reach people with the gospel message. Find out more at JesusIsRealRadio.com. Just click on Give. Thank you for partnering with us. Next time on Jesus Is Real Radio, Pastor Daniel will share what it means to have the fruit of joy in your life. Not everyone is going to like the way you follow Jesus or even understand what God is calling you to. Joy in the midst of misunderstanding and judgment is the disposition of a heart that knows and trusts that God is good even when nobody else is. In the middle of the hardship, you know that God is at work. You've been listening to Jesus Is Real Radio with Pastor Daniel Fusco of Crossroads Community Church. Pastor Daniel will continue teaching through his series called Beautiful. Till then, may God bless.